Welcome to Chronic Combat Conversations, a live look at our best bets, picks, and predictions for every UFC event with your hosts, TB Scouting MMA and the Guru back again for UFC 272. Colby Chaos Covington taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal in one of the biggest grudge matches in UFC history. But before we can get into that, we have longtime friend of the show, awesome, awesome guy, Dan Tom, on the show. MMA Junkie's own odd breaker, inputter, just an awesome freaking guy, protecting X zone, most importantly. What's going on, Dan? Oh man, you guys are too kind with that intro. It's good to be here. What's up, everybody? It's it's uh, it's good to finally be on a uh, chronic c- combat conversations. Uh, a fan of the name for sure. Fan of you guys, <laughs> and uh, this was long overdue. Hell yeah, man! It's so nice to have you on. I mean, if you guys aren't, I, I would be shocked if you're following us and you're not following the Protect Your Neck podcast, or uh, it's at pyn at the pyn podcast or at Dan Tom MMA. I mean, come on, you you guys are seriously missing out because if there was any inspiration for our show. I got to tell you, that's where it came from. And, and just being able to have a good guy like this in the space come on and, and willing to break down his picks before his own show. I mean, that's that's an honor right there. That's that's that mensch talk. We really appreciate that, man. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. you're you, you giving me the proper M. That's that's yes. respect right there. I appreciate that's, that. That's I appreciate it. that. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we got a fun card to talk about. We and do. like, even Huge. though it was a shakeup, I was like, you know what? I got some uh, some analysis in the pocket early. I'm going to give you guys what I got. So when you asked me to come on, I said, all right, let's do it. Let's let's, let's break this down. Hell yeah. I mean, and I mean, let's get right into it. You got, as Guru so quaintly said, we got Colby Chaos Covington versus Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. You want to talk about a grudge match? Because we got one. And and these guys size up extremely well. I mean, Colby's got the two-inch leg reach. Jorge's got the two-inch, you know, arm reach. So wherever one guy has an advantage, I... I I mean, as far as sizing up, I, I don't think it really gets any closer. And then you look at some of these stats, and man, I know you see green and red, and we're trying to work on, you know, uh, on getting some of these things as we pull it up here on the. I was about screen. to say, I don't see any yeah. green and red like, yet. Hold on a second, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, as far as strikes landed per minute, all this other stuff, and, and you go into the straight numbers, like you can see that each guy is carrying a lot of weight in his own categories here. But I mean, as we as we do like to do, you got to get into it stylistically as well. So. When you look at this fight, I mean, both guys coming in, in some of the best shape. I mean, you see Colby taking his pictures, cut up as usual. Jorge, he's looking good, man. I mean, not as good as the pro, not as good as the poster has him looking though. But he does look good. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I'm super excited to see if these guys get right down into it, or are we going to see a little bit of a of a staring match at points here? Uh, these guys have such deep history, and and ultimately. You know, I, I know Jorge, you know, on paper is going to have that striking advantage and Colby on paper is going to have that grappling advantage. But when you look at how Jorge stood up to, to Usman and extended grappling exchanges, I, I don't think it's going to be so easy for Colby to just hold him down. And and Jorge, this guy's definitely improved in his stand up striking since the last time you were training at American Top Team together. <laughs> so this fight, I think overall is going to be a lot closer in all aspects than than just, oh, you know, these guys are matching up well in size. Uh, ultimately, though, I mean, I think we see this fight go a little deep. What are you thinking, Guru? Yeah, honestly, the way that um, I love the way that you were breaking that down. I, I just think that um, Colby, who he wants the threat of the takedown, right? He doesn't need to lay on top of 
Jorge on on the ground. He wants he wants the threat of that. He wants to push him into the clinch, make it dirty, grind on him, tire him out. And um, one a lovely stature. One of the things I love to see, you know, sometimes the um, the red and the green can be a little um, misleading because you look at the strikes landed per minute, and sure, Jorge's got the green, but by what? 0.6 strike landed per minute. Like that's not that's not really. It's they're basically even. The strike the stat that I really like is the distance strikes landed per minute, and that is overwhelmingly in Colby Covington's favor. You know. Uh, that's, that's where I think the majority of the fight will take place is striking. I think there's going to be a lot of ego involved, but, um, I think there was a stat, I forgot who posted it, but, um, in fights that Kobe lands, whatever is it? 10 takedowns. He's four and one or something five and oh, what was it? I, I forget what this that is stupid to bring it up if I don't remember it. Right. But anyway, I think he's going to, he's, he's going to continue to expand these takedowns and get them at, uh, at a decent clip, honestly. Um, even though Jorge does have good takedown defense, I, I think that the threat of him is going to make it tough for him. Grind it out. I th- our best bet, I believe, is the fight to go to start the fourth round, right? Yeah, we we're, we have that in a parlay uh, that we already dropped on our bet MMA tips. So if you guys want to take a look and get a sneak peek of what that second leg is going to be, go ahead. Because, I, I mean, this fight's getting into the championship rounds. I, I know there's a lot of talk about them getting out to it early and, and, and you know, beating each other's faces in. I got all this stuff going on. I think there's going to be a lot of stymieing in the clinch, a lot of, you know, staring and some leg kicks and, and some with, swing and misses with some, with some combos. Without further ado, though, we need to hear from Dan Tom. Yeah, I mean, we got Covington minus 320 and Masvidal plus 250. Where are you looking in this fight, Dan? This great analysis. Uh, I don't hate any of your guys' angles there. I don't feel great about this fight either. This one's kind of been priced uh, priced out uh, uh, if you're looking to back the favorite, if you ask me. I mean, technically, I think you're getting like a nickel off uh, if you can find a minus 115 Covington by decision. But even that opened at chalk at minus 120. Um, and I don't know if you really want to be laying that if you want to back Covington that hard. Uh, my official breakdown hasn't come out. I, I am officially picking Covington by decision, but this – Line should be way tighter to me. Um, and it was, it was tighter, I believe. What was it? Covington opened like a minus 160 or minus 150 or something like that. I want to say, if not, that's where he should have opened it. It should not be over a three to one here. This is definitely dogger pass all day. Jorge can not only win early, but he can win late. Um, I know he's getting older, and you guys know me, I try not to put too much weight into that, especially right now. Experience and skill is not something to be betting against, folks. Um, it's, it's been getting a lot of people through the, all these, uh, weird circumstances in this pandemic era of fighting, uh, but Masvidal, not once, but twice. If you include Benson Henderson, he's been able to go the distance on short notice, right. Uh, as well as with Usman. In fact, he did better in the fight. He was short notice than when he had the full camp. But the point is uh, he's got that Cuban genetics, maybe not as obvious as a Romero, you know, a freak like <laughs> Rogan likes to say, but he's definitely got some good genes. Uh, Masvidal does. So, um, I think he's even live late and the fact that he's live in close spaces and separations um, and that's where Covington can be clipped. He's going to be going in and out of those spaces. Although I do agree with the previous note that we could see more striking Covington slowed things down. He's been more measured and he's looked to sit down and diversify his shot selections since moving over to MMA masters. I don't think it's been a, a, a great thing to be honest. He's gotten better at countering, which is something mm-hmm. I picked up. Um, but, I still think Covington is ultimately at at his best as a pressure fighter. I do think he knows which matchups to get to it, though, kind of like when he did with Robbie Lawler. Um, I think he treats this the same. You know, I think that, you know, 
despite the lack of trash talk for Lawler and the upping for this fight, it's going to be the same business as usual when Covington yeah. gets in there. So yeah, I'm going to go Covington by decision, but the, the dog is live here, guys. It's keeping me away from this fight wow. so far and probably totally, to be honest. We'll see. I, I definitely, I, I, can't, I can't agree more in terms of uh, the line being too wide. I just feel like until this resurrection of Jorge Masvidal, I mean, you couldn't watch a fight of Jorge's without hearing the commentators talk about how he's a slow starter and how he loses split decisions and he doesn't have that killer instinct. And it's actually, it's laughable because he, again, doesn't have killer instinct. And then he's on the promos. I'm going to break his face. He's going to be in a pool of his own. Like, bro, you don't fight like that. Like, it's just, it's not the way that he fights. And against the, the, uh, the cardio king, the guy with two lungs, believe it or not, he has two lungs. That, that's cool. <laughs> is awesome. But is. I mean, the cardio king, the unbelievable pressure fighter that is Colby Covington. Um, I just think that Jorge is like a little addicted to losing. Like he's kind, he is a bit of a journeyman. So like I respect him so much and I, he's so talented. His striking his his boxing, the diversity of his strikes, again, some of the best in the UFC, but um, you know, I, I do. I, I think that Colby has a knack for winning and I, I think that he's going to be able to pull it out. Like, like you said. Yeah. I mean, if I'm taking a straight play here, I'm going to say fight goes the distance at minus minus one fifty, because yeah. uh, ultimately, um, I just think I don't see either guy as a, as a complete knockout artist and, and Colby surviving the storm against Kamaru in the second fight, you know, as his, uh, you know, and, and even in the first fight, you know, he, he argues early stoppage. I mean, that, that thing, uh, yeah, it, it should have we've been seen, stopped so at we've that seen point. Where, we've seen, we've but seen, I don't stoppage. see, I don't see Masvidal having the same type of uh, brute power, uh, whereas he might be more technical. And I do think Colby has shown the chin and cardio to make it the distance against, you know, I mean, Jorge Masvidal, we're talking uh, in the UFC, he's got six knockouts, one sub, five decisions. He's got seven decision losses as well. In his career, he's got the 16 knockouts to the 17 decisions. It's just um, I, I do think that this is one of those guys where you're not going to find an easy knockout by hurting him to the body or up top. Uh, he's shown to be durable in both areas in the long run, and I'm not sure Jorge has that type of output. Like, like Dan says, as he's pressuring – getting the pressure from Colby off the back foot, it's going to be a little bit different for Jorge. So I, I am interested to see those clinch exchanges and see how everything goes down. And I probably don't play this fight straight as, as to go the distance, but uh, check out, uh, we got the second leg of our parlay coming up because uh, we do have this fight starting and, round four. And on and on Friday, I believe Dan, Dan Tom releases his unbelievable in-depth breakdown of the whole card or his, I mean, at least the main card and his, for sure, the main event. And it's something I always go to look at to make oh, sure. Uh, I, seriously, it's one something I really always go to make sure. I'm like, okay, am I on off the, on a reservation here? Like, or am I somehow grounded in reality? And as long as we're somehow on this, a similar path, I, I generally feel, I feel very good about it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I thought it might actually drop today, but usually on Thursdays, the main events, uh, sometimes Fridays, if it's split in the week with Bellator and then fight day, uh, MMA junkie, you get um, my, uh, my, my, my quick picks and prognostications just real quick. I will add Masvidal seven and two against UFC level Southpaws with those two wow. being contentious split decisions where you could argue he won against Damian Maya and Benson Henderson. I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying for what that's worth. But yeah. I do like the overs that you guys are on. Ultimately, if the gun to my head, that is the play here. If you want to look for action, because 
uh, even though we could get a, a Gilbert Burns and Kamaro Usman, more oftentimes than not, grudge matches or former training partners go the way of conservativeness. They go the way of tension. They go the way of overs or decisions. So uh, I don't hate that at all. Oh, those, that southpaw stat is dirty, dude. How are you going to do me yeah. like that? <laughs> it, that's And I don't know anyone else that really – Puts you out those stats as much on a it. consistent basis, Dan Tom. Those stances are so much. I mean, I know we have them listed here, but to keep track and that stat and that data, like, man, you guys are missing out if you're not on the Protect Your Neck podcast. And if you're enjoying the show today, make sure you're subscribed to not only Protect Your Neck podcast, subscribe right here to Chronic Combat Conversations. <laughs> Throw a like on this video. I mean, you guys listen, but it's only going to keep getting better. Bet MMA, we're in the profit long term all time. And it's only going to keep on running. So we uh, really appreciate you guys stopping in. And let's get to our last second scramble of a co-main event here. Crazy. Have, I mean, Renato Moicano versus uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Renato Moicano. You got Moicano. Well, he just got off a 19 and a half hour flight from Brazil with three stops in between while trying to cut. What? What is it? Uh, 20 pounds of weight. I yeah. mean, this guy, uh, he's got he's got a lot ahead of him here. But just from a stylistic standpoint. I think this is going to be a tough one, too. I mean, Moicano, when we were breaking down his most recent fight against Alexander Hernandez, I was all over the idea of Moicano getting to his wrestling just because of how poor uh, of a defensive wrestler and uh, Alexander Hernandez is and what happens to him when the pressure starts coming. Rafael Dos Anjos, I think that we've gotten into this idea that he can't face any wrestler overall because of the last run that he's recently been on. But, I mean... You got Michael Chiesa, Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Tony Ferguson. I don't place Hinato Moicano's volume or overall wrestling and takedown ability in the same class as that. I do think that Moicano is very happy to stand at distance and trade on the feet. Um, yeah. You look at his total control time in the UFC. I mean, Dos Anjos has <laughs> over 96 minutes of control time, whereas Moicano... It's only 14, and I know that Dos Anjos has been controlled his own 96 minutes on the other end, but I don't think that's where he's going to be rushing to in this fight. I think Moicano, you know, another, you know, he cuts a lot of weight even moving up to 155. And, you know, seeing him do it again on short notice, three uh, three weeks since his last fight, where he definitely took a little bit of damage. He yeah, got hurt to the body. That. He got hurt For up sure. top. And Hernandez was looking, you know, pretty decent early after he gets up from that first initial takedown. But Dos Anjos works the body with his kicks and the southpaw stance. And Moicano, he keeps those hands up like that Muay Thai, that Muay Thai style. And he loves throwing his own leg kicks. But uh, as we saw against Korean Zombie, that, that could leave you open to some counters. And Dos Anjos is very prolific defensively. Uh, you know, his while his distance defense is lower than Moicano's, I do think that, you know, although Moicano has faced a high level of competition, I think Dos Anjos, you know, kind of takes the cake overall from that standpoint. And had, uh, when you kind of counterbalance their accuracy versus their defense, I, I think it evens out on paper here. But I just think Dos Anjos has a few more weapons to work with. And ultimately, I don't know why the line's tracking from an opener of minus 200 right. Dos Anjos to now. Uh, I mean, what do we got here? This is uh, it's minus 170 minus on FanDuel plus minus, minus 165 on DraftKings. Draft. Yeah. I'm just going to wait and see if this line keeps on moving because if you get those Andres at like a minus 150, I mean, that's that's a hammer play for me right there. Uh, Guru, I mean, do, do you have anything further on this one from, from your standpoint? Yeah, I mean, you you broke it down in spades, dude. Like, holy macaroni. 
uh, just sit back and watch you do it. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> seriously, one of the things that you touched on, which was awesome, is and one of the things that Rafael Dos Anjos has that Hanada Moicano really lacks at times uh, is the fight IQ. Uh, Dos Anjos works the body, works the head. He, his, the variety of strikes and the combinations he throws are beautiful, masterful even. So like, and his defensive grappling is is decent enough. Like like you watch him fight Kevin Lee, and he's reverse. He reverses Kevin Lee a bit, and he's you know Kevin Lee's not in the UFC anymore. But you know that's I think that was just more of a, a power play move by the UFC and and a contractual thing. But uh, you know he's he. Hanato Moicano is more known for his grappling, his submission game, than his offensive wrestling, and we've seen time and time again. How those the that the skill set the skill set can be, you know, seem like it looks like it's the same to like the 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 casual eye, but to us the the trained eye as we continue to watch these fights over and over, we start to notice those things. And Dos Anjos is not gonna just wilt here. And one of the things that you said is, you know, he was just in a fight three weeks ago, and and this wasn't just some quick in and out thing. Yeah, he he beat the shit out of. Alexander Hernandez, but Alexander Hernandez hits like a fucking truck. So, you know, I'm not somebody that's like been in fights, but like I'd imagine that two, three weeks later, you're going to have a couple scratches, a couple bruises, this, that, the other thing, uh, uh, you know, a, a sore ankle, like a stu- you stubbed your toe. Like, I don't know. I, I And again, 19 hours on the flight, enough talking. I'm on RDA. I feel like the line is set as if Moicano had a full training camp. I'm just very confused by it. For me, it's a full hold off until uh, weigh-ins, face-offs, because I want to see both guys. Um, seriously, I'm done talking. Dan, Tom, what do you think? No, I don't blame you know uh, the, the weigh-in note. By the way, that's always not never a bad idea in this day and age. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the the dangerous thing about trying to chase these early lines. Your matchup might not be intact, and if it is, what do they look like at the scale, so on and so forth. And, and especially with me, I got to release, or I don't have to, but I just tend to with the way everything goes. Um, for my podcast and my articles, my stuff doesn't come out till later. So I, I try to play lines that are more accurate till, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for later in the week, but that's the benefit of, uh, you guys tuning into this show here. You can kind of get an early, early lead. And yeah, uh, as far as this matchup, you know, all I got to say is I can just hear it. That, 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 yes. Don't be surprised if, if that's the intro to the Protect Your Neck podcast this week, you know, oh, yeah. um, and uh, that's what that, that's all I was hearing, you know, uh, from, you know, I did my tape on Dos Anjos when he was going to fight Fazeev. I really liked him there to survive and, you know, uh, start winning the late rounds. You know, if you look at it, Dos Anjos, he's rarely been rocked. Um, you know, he's been in these wars and we've seen him bloody, but he's he has rarely ever been knocked down, knocked out. You know, a, a uppercut from, you know, from hell with Jeremy Stevens early in his career. It's a TKO jaw injury to Clay Guida, Guida like a freak thing. Uh, he almost dies in a weight cut that initially sent him up to welterweight <laughs> against Eddie Alvarez in a fight I picked and cashed him there. So all good. Um, not a crazy surprise. The guy really doesn't get hurt. And as far as being dominated, the one fight I didn't watch because, again, I taped him for Fazeev, so I didn't want to go back and watch this fight. But whether he was going to fight Makhachev or... Now he's fighting Moicano. Um, the Michael Chiesa fight becomes a relevant one. And that one really had RDA uh, fans worried because, you know, or backers worried because he really should have won that fight nine times out of ten. 
and he looked terrible. He looked washed. It looked like, you know, is he shot at this point? You know, he's been fighting for a minute. He's been through some wars. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, is that it? And, I, you know, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just a stylistic matchup. Kiesa clearly um, a, a guy who's a, a big welterweight who was, you know, trying to game the system going down to 155. He admitted it himself. Maybe it was just those circumstances. Whereas Moicano, um, even if he's able to do that, and I haven't went back to watch that fight, but you look, I just looked at the stats and I'm going to go back and watch it because numbers don't tell the story. You got to go do the work and watch yeah. it. Um, but let's just say Moicano can put out those numbers and get that control time in. And his wrestling, which is underrated and improving, which is why I picked him and I cashed real big round two sub against Moicano, did me real well last time. I like Moicano, folks. Um, you know, he made, just made some he just made some money for me. But, you know, uh, I don't think it's at the level of Kiesa. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the size. Um, he won't have the smaller cage uh, to work with like Kiesa, I believe, did for that fight. But let's say he gets that same control time with said underrated wrestling. I think his cardio is going to be way out of whack. Uh, you guys noted that he's been getting bigger. Um, he actually has been. In fact, it almost kind of worried me from my play because Moicano looked bigger than I'd ever seen him before. He looked thick, and he's always been a big guy. I interviewed him in studio when he was 145. He was That's way awesome. too big for that weight class. So he's a good size 155er, but I'm talking about like thickness. Like he was looking like your boy here thick. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. Right. And, uh, but listening to interviews, what he didn't show on his Instagram is that he actually went to American Top Team, did a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And in interviews, um, he actually said he purposely did that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe he was doing his own Mac from It's Always Sunny. He was bulking. But hey, man, he looked, you know what? He looked great. He looked in great shape. And he, he actually said something which was interesting. He said he's been afraid. He only recently, He's been not afraid to gas. And this is another reason why I picked him again to wrestle mm -hmm. Alexander Hernandez. And I thought that was interesting. He's, he's always been kind of afraid to gas. And I was like, wow. Um, so what's he going to be like in his first fourth round? He's only been scheduled for one five round fight. That's including jungle fights, guys. I don't know if jungle yeah. fights normally does this, but he did have title fight there. So I was like, okay, he had to have been scheduled for three rounds before. Nope. That was only scheduled for three, five minute rounds with still the belt uh -huh. icon there. For tapology. So really it's only been the one time with Chan Sung Jung where he got ice. I picked Jung there. Mm -hmm. I also picked him to get ice by Aldo in the co-main event before that, because even though it might not be as big of a factor, I'd like to think Moikano has matured. But part of the reason was uh, you know, shouts to my old co-host Dan Levy. Um, he might be asking for Aldo's autograph. You know, you get the fellow Brazilian in there mm, who's been a yeah. world champion. Moicano's a young guy, and you look at him, he's really emotional. He's always like, I respect you. I respect He's always yeah, kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> but, like, I was like, yeah, he's totally going to get frozen up and not know what to do with, with Aldo. And technically, he was going to get his jab countered. Um, this time, uh, I feel like he's going to be exposed the same way the guy Dos Anjos, who was supposed to meet, exposed him. I know I'm talking fast here, but the guy I'm talking about is Fazeev. Just like you guys beautifully noted, I liked Fazeev in that fight, even though people were like, wait, I got the guy with more pass to victory, a plus money Moicano. I get that mentality, but I liked Fazeev because Fazeev, like you guys said with Dos Anjos, he attacks the legs and he attacks the body. Mm -hmm. And I think Dos Anjos can break him down. And again, back to my example, let's say Moicano does get that perfect fight. Unless he's able to rock Dos Anjos, and even then, I don't even, I still don't know, you know, no one's submitted Dos Anjos, you know what I'm saying? This yeah. guy's a legit yeah. black belt. Yeah. Uh, he's went, you know, he's went into the guards of Nate Diaz, Cerrone, and been able to get away with it and just tool these guys, you know, just manhandle them. And he's back down at 155. Um, and even in fights that, you know, he lost, and by the way, you go back and watch that Covington fight a lot closer, especially keeping in Ooh. scoring than you guys think, right? 
mm-hmm. you look at that, like Dos Anjos is having some of his best rounds in round four. He's hitting Kimura sweeps, multiple takedowns, outstriking Covington. Like that's not abnormal. Like in fi- Leon Edwards, uh, even in Tony Ferguson fight, I think he had a, a late run. Like even in fights where he's getting bloody and battered, um, he still has like he can still win rounds. He's still showing to win rounds when he's tired, bloody, beaten. So like Moicano can actually own the first three rounds of this fight, and I think Dos Anjos still finishes him. I'm gonna sprinkle Dos Anjos rounds three, four, and five. No, um, no. but I'm I, I, I'm also probably gonna look for inside the distance. But uh, with that in mind, the other part to that is um, I want to decide: do I want to play him uh, straight up or? you know, attach him as the second leg of a parlay. I only have one leg. The current second leg I'm researching on the prelims, I don't like as much. So right now I'm letting the line dictate. If we go to minus 160 or under, I'm, I'm laying it on Dos Anjos straight. So we get that decision coverage in case we'll cover the plot. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll sprinkle just enough. You guys do your own bankroll management out there, but I'm going to sprinkle yeah. just enough to where it's just small sprinkles on these rounds, a little bit bigger of a sprinkle on an inside the distance, hopefully near the plus 200 mark, plus 195. And then you lay the chalk. Um, if, it, if if you're following me, you don't have to. By the way, that's just that's, that's if, what that's my if eyes are That's if you're at. digging through grandma's couch cushions, which you know grandma never minds because she she doesn't see. You know, you find a find a couple bucks in her couch cushions, you put a little <laughs> yeah. sprinkle on that. You're all long-winded oh, yeah. there, guys. But sorry. Oh, by the way, speaking of southpaws, uh, and five, uh, not only no five-round fights for Morcano's record, no southpaws either. So this is for southpaw world world freaking champion so just saying yeah i i think there is a good opportunity he gets hurt to the body and we don't know exactly how dos anjos chooses to finish from there but also we, we also we say it like dos anjos won't get a takedown on moicano what happens if yeah. moicano's on his back that guy oh, is yeah. so that he loves jujitsu he's gonna sit there on his back all day long and play patty cake like he's not gonna shrimp and get up at least the way i see it he's gonna yeah, try I mean, to tb Stan Tom? Oh, no, I was just going to say, he's not credited with it. I, he got a sweep off Nurmaga Madoff, but I was going to say, I think he's like, uh, Abel Trujillo got a takedown on uh, Nurmaga Madoff. That's what I was confusing. But anyways, he's got, you know, takedowns on Covington, one of the few few guys there, to just to add to your point, as far as um, Dos mm-hmm. Anjos getting offensive. And as long as he doesn't get guillotined or front choke, which is Moicano's, one of his specialties, even though he doesn't have victories that way. Um, again, who's submitting or getting close to Dos Anjos in that form or any form? Yeah, nah, it's right. not just one of those regular old black belts. I mean, he's a fourth degree black belt. That's Damian Maya level, essentially. Uh, did Maya just get his fifth? His fifth, though. I mean, but probably, I mean, yeah, probably. Right? Right. It, it, it's. I feel like I saw something like that. But ultimately, it, guys, if this line keeps on sliding towards Mykano, which I just don't understand. I mean, we got minus one seven, minus one sixty five on DraftKings. Like Dan Tom said, I mean, this line keeps going. That's actually that could end up being like a play of the day type of hammer there. And and it, even in inside the distance to draw down the total amount of dollars you need to put out, that that's going to be somewhere on the bet sheet. So you guys better be paying attention here. Yeah, we we fleshed this one out pretty good though. I I need to get to this next one, man. I'm so excited for Let's this. Do it. I, this this yeah. could be this could be the headliner of any fight anytime. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got Edson Barbosa versus the undefeated, uh, you know, interesting viewpoints, Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> uh, yeah. we saw, I don't know if you guys saw that Ariel Hawani MMA hour appearance. But anyways, uh, as we break down fights here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fight. Fight uh, only. Yeah. So we got uh, Edson Barbosa. You know, uh, we, we were pretty heavy on him against Giga Chikadze. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that but, bias that comes into play here. But um, Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> but I- 
uh, as I go in and, and watch the tape on him, I was expecting his uh, his striking to be a little more clunky uh, for his defense, not to necessarily be so great. But I was actually impressed with his in and out movement. Uh, he likes he likes going from from the southpaw stance. Uh, the, the wrestling background certainly plays into that. But I mean, Mitchell, like, he throws some interesting kicks. Uh, you know, even, even like those like little hook kicks sometimes uh, as he was doing against Feely early, uh, kind of switching it up. But I mean, the biggest thing that you get down to here is that it's not like Bryce Mitchell will just shoot a single, just shoot a double. But I mean, this is a guy that's willing to chain his way through attempts, get to the fence, get in the clinch. And yeah, I mean, he, he ends up, you know, wearing down a little bit at points at, with his cardio. But I mean, I, I, are we supposed to say that Edson Barbosa's cardio at 145 is going to to, to outbreak uh, Bryce Mitchell's. The, the only way that happens is if this fight plays out on the feed and, and Barboza is able to stuff all those early takedowns and keep on his bike and keep moving. I mean, Mitchell, he, he's very aggressive overall, but I mean, you see his distance defense at 69%. It's the guys thinking about the takedown. I mean, you saw Barboza versus Makwani Americani, and man, I was not impressed with his, his early output and Americani gases as always. And then next thing you know, Barbosa is able to start landing a little bit more. He gets that, knocks him down with a jab at times. And, and even, you know, he's able to sprawl and use some of those front choke series to, to threaten stuff. But I, I trust the gas tank of Bryce Mitchell. I trust, you know, the overall, you know, size and strength for that division. I know Barbosa is going to have a five-inch reach advantage here. I just don't know how often he's going to get to use it. It is the bigger cage, but, I mean, Guru, I, I'm seeing Bryce Mitchell three takedowns per 15, 46%. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he's not getting that initial one, I mean, you think he's riding through and getting the control? I do. I, I think it's a problem. I, and this is one of the weird takes I have as to why. Bryce Mitchell, like, yeah, he's that one loss on Tufts, but he's, you know, he's undefeated. He's just, he's not going to be afraid enough of Edson Barbosa. Like, he doesn't have the battle scars, I think, to, like, give Edson Barbosa the respect. Like, just like we were talking about with Hanato Moicano mm. giving respect to Aldo, it's going to be the opposite. I think Bryce Mitchell is just going to go in there and just be thug nasty. Could that be to his detriment? Could he get KO'd by Barbosa? I mean, maybe that would be, again, that would be a mm. huge resurgence in Barbosa's career. I don't think anybody's expecting that. So I think that Bryce Mitchell is going to have that element of like disrespect on his side. And, um, and, and, and better than that, he's going to have the fucking skills to back it up man that 3.26 takedowns per 15 is fucking legit um his efficiency is really good at it he's not just um he doesn't uh he's, it's not like he's just telegraphing them like you said he's fluid with the strikes um you're not seeing him shoot from a million miles away um and again i'm not sure i mean it shows edson facing a lot of you know 20 he's faced 89 takedown in his career but, you know, 26 fights, like UFC fights, like I don't even know how many people really try to take Edson down like that. I mean, you, Giga Shikadze not shooting for takedowns. You know, Amir Khani and Burgos kind of are more mixed bag fighters. But, you know, Gaethje, Hooker, you know, just it's 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 interesting. I, I honestly, I kind of like just a uh, top of the uh, main card parlay just at the top. The line is exactly the same for whatever sketchy reason on DraftKings. Um both Dos Anjos and Bryce Mitchell are minus 165 with their counterparts being plus 145 at the moment. So I don't know, one unit on Bryce Mitchell and Dos Anjos money line each at plus 157. 
I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the angle on on Mitchell at the minus 165 and Barbosa plus 145. Damn, Tom. Unfortunately, no props. No props on. Oh, wait, there are props on this side. We don't have any props on the Dos Anjos fight yet, but we have right. we have props on this one. Damn, Tom, what do you think? I hate to say it, but uh, yeah, if you play Mitchell under minus 170, that might not be a bad way to go because, as I often say, when the decision or inside the distance or decision and submission in this case, which are like the two competing paths for a Mitchell victory, uh, are pretty much evenly priced, it means the bookmakers aren't sure either. So if you're feeling uncertain, don't mm. feel crazy. They're wanting you usually to take those traps. Unless I feel really strong about my read, um, I, I I usually uh, will, will look to either kick for coverage or just obviously avoid completely, mm. depending on the price, matchup, uh, bankroll, what I'm already on, all these other factors. So I'll have to see about this one. Um, maybe it's a little bit of that personal bias, but I just, I, I would, I, I, I'm rooting for Edson Barbosa here, even though <laughs> yeah. my the analyst oh, in me yeah. is picking, uh, as picking Bar- uh, Mitchell. Um, gun to my head, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say decision. I wouldn't be surprised at this point in Barbosa's career if Mitchell is able to join the uh, the upper echelon of names that have submitted Barbosa, which is uh, Cerrone and of course uh, T. Ferg, Tony Ferguson. Um, which would kind of, you know, again, kind of bum me out. But hey, man, no one's been able to beat this guy yet. So um, this, this is a, this is certainly a good litmus test. Barbosa, you know, it looks like he's training at ATT, but we know what we're gonna get at Barbosa this time. And maybe, like you guys said, maybe I'm a bit let down. He let us down in a fight that, especially looking at it now, you know, he, he could, he could have won that against Giga. Yeah, he really um, you know, that was, that was, that was, that was the, uh, the, the side here. And I hope that he comes through here, but. Um, I'm, I'm not playing Barbosa, and right now I'm not playing this fight. And not for nothing, this is another one of those fights for me that's uh, a face-off and way independent fight. Bryce mm. Mitchell, we have not seen him fight in over a year, coming off an, yeah. an injury layoff. You know, so uh, I again, like I expect him to come out flashy and fine. He's a young kid and a, a decent, decent athlete. But I, I really, I want to make sure that these lower weight classes. I really, I love to see these guys weigh in first. If, Talk about interesting weigh-ins. We got this Kevin Holland versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira fight. I mean, from one standpoint, you got Kevin Holland making his cut down to 170 to make his welterweight debut, at least in the UFC. Maybe I could have researched that a little more overall. But Mm -hmm. you got Alex Cowboy Oliveira that's had his own kind of troubles and battles with the scales recently in his own right. And Definitely. Yeah. There seems to be a very clear path to victory as far as, uh, you know, the, the Cowboy Oliveira side. You know, you see Holland giving up all those takedowns. You see him giving up all the control time. Uh, let's not forget that Holland still at the end of the day has has his own black belt, has shown, you know, some solid uh, scrambles and awareness uh, overall, even in giving up extended control time to wrestlers. But I don't trust Alex Cowboy Oliveira at this stage in his career to – one, commit to a wrestling game plan, and two, have the cardio and wherewithal to hold down someone that's going to be so much taller, longer, and, and, and probably stronger in this spot in Kevin Holland. Uh, you look at just the, the striking and the distance striking numbers, and, and Holland's got some of the most uh, you know ridiculous striking stats, uh, given you know the Joaquin Buckley matchup certainly helps that out. Uh, you know He hasn't faced the highest level of competition, so you do have to take some of that with a grain of salt. But overall, I just think he he knows how to use his distance. And I can't trust Oliveira to get to a grappling game plan 
And you look at the line at this point, minus 355, Kevin Holland. Plus it was like a balloon, Ariel. Rivera. It was like a balloon. If you go to our Bet MMA page, you'll That's see terrible. we actually caught Kevin Holland at minus 285 and parlayed that to the fight starts round four. Because the line ballooned up. That was the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a balloon? Yeah, like a balloon. So, <laughs> I mean, Guru, what... what, what <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really happy that we played this much earlier. I hate to be those douches. We got this at the early line. We never do that. But we, I knew that it was a it was a pay-per-view week, and I knew that the line was going to was gonna run. That's the second leg of our play at Parlay. We have, like, Kevin Holland at, like, disgustingly like minus 255 or something minus 265 parlayed with the 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 main event to start round four at plus money which is just like chef's kiss so hopefully i that didn't jinx it but (laughs) um you know yeah kevin holland's violent like oh he was a dominant force he was so violent and um you know, then he goes on a t- he gets grappled by Derek Brunson, the, the most grappling time ever, only to be outdone by Marvin Vittori with the most grappling time. So uh really tough, tough break there for uh Kevin Holland. And he gets knocked out twice in one fight, <laughs> which is never fun. Well, I guess knocked out once and submit and then submitted once by Kyle Dawkins, gets it reset and says, you know what, instead of running that one back like I agreed, maybe I should just cut weight instead. Um, decides to cut weight, and then again, like we've said. Alex Oliveira, can we can we can we trust Cowboy at this stage in his career? I feel like we've been saying that since Mike Perry fight. Can we trust him at this stage in his career? That was like nine <laughs> fights ago. Um, the guy has like twelve kids, has a checks to you know mouths to feed. He's a gamer, man. Like he no, not a gamer. He's the opposite. He's a jobber. Like he comes in, he doesn't want to take too much damage. Like he will find a way out of there. He does break. And Kevin Holland needs a fucking win. So I think he does fa- break him at some point, maybe round two or three. But I, I think Kevin Holland's coming out mm. coming out swinging. What do, you, what do you think, Dan? This is an interesting one. Um, I was hoping to get a plus money on an over, but it looks like they went to one and a half and uh, chalked it up um, where I, 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 to the spot where I don't really want to get involved because this is – a pretty volatile fight. I think you guys are on the wrong side and are on the right Ooh. side. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> you guys are on the right side. Sorry. I think you guys are on the right side uh, at obviously a good price. Cause yeah, I did, when, when did this line blow up? I'm like, wow. So you you guys are absolutely right on that. Uh, I, I don't like that the line blew up. I, you know, if you guys got it uh, for a parlay piece in that neighborhood for the price, all good. Um, anybody wants to, you know, maybe do it over and kick for coverage, you know, or, or something like that and, and, and try to get cute. Um, I don't mind. I guess here's we got alternate lines on uh, on DraftKings. If that interests yeah, what you guys got there? We got over. I don't play DraftKings, but yeah, over two and a half at plus one ten, and then the over half is crazy at minus eight hundred. So you don't want to. Yeah, that's. But then we're going two and a half, and maybe I would just you know kick for coverage and and you know go to decision if it was going there. But that's my worry if this does go to decision. I feel like, um, you know. Cowboy Oliver, he's fighting for them kids, man, too. You know, he, he but then part of him, it's like he, he is definitely just showing up and, you know, he'll take the check as well. So it, it's hard to trust him. But I could see like a Darren Stewart like split, you know, where Kevin Holland still mm-hmm. wins. But because you know, Oliver is so strong in the clinch and uh, he can avoid a submission if he gets a takedown and just plays it that way. But, you know, they're in the big cage. Um, I think it's just going to be a weird fight. I think that if you guys are on the Holland side for that price, that's pretty good coverage because. I'm pulling my hair out trying to figure out, you know, 
is it going over? Is it going under? Do mm. we get a finish? Do we get a decision? And you know, if, I, if, if my memory serves me right, I believe we lost a flyer on Nico Price by finish, but we did win money on Nico Price by money line. I think in a parlay or something. I would have to check our yeah. bet MMA. We made money on Nico that that time, but but we thought that that like kind of similarly that we thought Alex Oliveira would maybe would maybe cash his chips and then uh, mm. and then didn't. Yeah, yeah, that was a volatile fight too. So that's kind of another reason why I guess they they jacked up the over, and people like me were curious on what that over would be. Uh, mm. You know, to to uh, to fade the narrative, as you guys say. Yeah, <laughs> that's wow, it. Man, I mean, man. yeah, you gotta love that. I mean, over one and a half sitting at minus one sixty. That does sound at least uh, at least appetizing. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it could be could be ugly if this thing just uh, just plays out quickly. Um, ultimately. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Holland does in his new weight class. And yeah, let's take a look at the scales, but we just, you kind of get the feel sometimes when you know someone's super popular and the line's going to get running and that can come back yeah, and bite sure. us in the butt. Let's not, you know, let's not toot For our sure. own horn until the, until the right. bet actually cashes. But, right. um, it was one of those spots where we were doing the tape study early in the week and, and a lot of times we'll hold off, but it just seems so obvious that the majority of uh, people will be on, on that type of play. And, and it just ultimately, you know, feels like, yeah, that there might be that sketchy split. It might be close. But, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not going to run and tell you go hit Holland now at minus 355. But, uh, you know, if you were able to get that money out earlier in the week, something weird happens. The line starts closing the other way for whatever reason. Yeah, I'd start looking at that again. But other than that, I mean, that over one and a half minus 160, it could be a little something to entertain for sure. Um, but I, now we get down to our, our last fight here on the main card, right? Uh, or, or our opener, that is. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, talk about volatility. I think there's <laughs> two clear ways that this fight, you know, kind of plays out here. And Definitely. we've seen Sergey Spivak do it all, you know, uh, as far as the Walt Harris early knockout. You get the, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of a, a later knockout from, uh, you know, some uh, – nah, I guess, <laughs> yeah, a little <laughs> bit later, but not too much from Tom Aspinall where – uh, yeah, that was just a great elbow. And and Tabura, you know, sits on top of him, better wrestler. And then you see him go with the uh, the lay and pray on Felipe. You see him, uh, you know, getting that that ground and pound over Vendera. And Alexi Olenek is able to land a little bit, you know, much on him for my liking before Spivak just kind of sits on top in half. But Greg Hardy, I mean, this guy's cutting tons of weight to get down to the heavyweight limit. Almost missed weight at on one occasion. And it's super interesting that the line at this point is now Spivak minus 205 and Hardy plus 164. I mean, ultimately, I, I just think that either Hardy's going to set his pace from distance and, and be able to hurt Spivak early, scare him off that wrestling, or, or stuff the early takedowns, confuse Spivak, and do his thing. If not, Hardy's going to start gassing out. Spivak's going to land takedowns at will and, and find his own finish somewhere around two or around three. So ultimately, I mean, I, th I think this fight ends at some point inside the distance here. <laughs> Uh, Guru, what are you thinking? I think that this fight is a damn slot fest. Um, I think it's annoying that they continue to put Greg Hardy on the pay per view on the pay per view main card. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's the point, right? We're annoyed by it. We want, we love seeing him get knocked out by Tai Tuivasa. We wouldn't mind seeing him get ground and pound, bloody finish like uh, Jared Mandara <laughs> style. That would be fine for I think all of us. <laughs> um, but uh, the problem is, is like, 
bro, just a few months ago, we were getting him at Pickham against Tai Tuivasa. And do we forget? He made Tai Tuivasa do the chicken dance. Like, I, he was not joking. Tai was hurt. And he rushes in because he has a low fight IQ. And he literally takes a knuckle to the orbital bone and it, to right to his eye socket. And he buckles over. Like it wasn't that his chin was gone or something. And he, he didn't see it coming, obviously, but like it, it was almost like you get punched in the eye, man. Like it hurts. Like that's the it's like getting punched in the balls, but the balls on your face. Like it doesn't <laughs> feel very good. So he went down, obviously, and that's that's it, you know. And we haven't seen him in a in a minute since he then he had an injury, right? He broke he fucked up his hand or something. He's supposed to fight Olenek, right? But Olenek, which was another weird fight where he was like, I think a dog. Well, it was a weird line in that it was fight. Weird. And now this line is just I just think it's a little wide, unfortunately. How do you trust somebody like Sergey Spivak? Um, you know, his chin is super questionable. Um Tom Aspinall, he just kind of like he hits him and he just like, oh my God, that hurt. And he kind of goes down. Um, you know, I, I don't not a fight that I really like at all. And and honestly, it it, it gives me the maybe I'm thinking too much to last week, but it, it does give me a little bit of the heebie jeebies in terms of just betting the fight not to go the distance, which is the play I like. Just to minus two twenty five at chalk because we just saw that last week with Gregory Rodriguez and and Armin Petrosian. We everybody that fight was going not going the distance. Like they were going to kill each other. And it doesn't happen. And then you know, we've seen it, you know, the one of our famous ones is Tiago Santos Johnny Walker. Like we see it all the time with these juiced fights and these guys just kind of get sloppy. They set a sparring pace and they just uh they hang out. But honestly, the truth is that these guys gas out and uh, they have fatal flaws. Uh, so uh, I, I think that Sergey could be pushed against the outside of the cage and, and knocked out if he doesn't pay enough close attention. And Greg Hardy can clearly gas out after the first round and get ground impounded. Um, Dan, Tom, anything, bud? What do you think? Yeah, I could see uh, your guys' points on the lines. And I think that's arguable overcorrection. You know, like we just said, we all do it ourselves, right? Um, you know, maybe we do it cause we, you know, we backed this guy and he failed us or we backed this fighter and they cash for us. And that can kind of lead us astray in the next fight. Right. You always gotta, gotta keep that clean slate. It's a, it's that a, it's reminds a me of the Joe, sorry, Oh my God. It gives me the Joel Go. Alvarez thing from last week. I brought it up last week. I'm like, everybody's on Joel Alvarez because they feel bad that they didn't cash on him last time. And he yep. got the snot beat out of him. The tape was all over. I was wondering if we missed something. It was the easiest bet of the night. Yeah. Yeah, in Sorry. hindsight, it was. Yeah, I, 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 I thought I was being too biased, and because of that, I did that overcorrecting the other way that I'll do uh, to try to spot these biases, and then I still end up hurting myself because I was right, and then I, 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 <laughs> I left money on the table. You know, I was like, oh, I left all that money there. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's a game of matchups. Like with uh, Moicano, you know, I'm, I was excited to cash on him uh, the other week, and now I'm excited to fade him. We'll see how excited I am after the fight. But with this thing, with, with this line, it, it's a similar thing where. Greg Hardy was ridiculously overhyped. I know people hate when I say it because football is like a religion in my country, the United States, uh, for, for listeners that maybe aren't, aren't, aren't American or unaware. Football is like a religion here. So if you say anything bad, it's blasphemous. And I, I, I like football. I grew up with football players. Um, I have nothing against it. But, you know, uh, people, 
the best person from the NFL that ever touched an octagon surface is still Brendan Schaub. If that tells you anything, I don't know if we can we drop this, you know, great white hope thing. They're like, all we need is someone from the NFL, a super athlete. They were a jab and a leg kick. (laughs) Watch out. And if you say anything but that take, you get fucking flamed for it, which is why I've loved Greg Hardy's last two fights because he's just proved me right. And, um, (laughs) And if you, even if you go back with the one punch punching power, which is true and could obviously happen here, um, I'll, I'll full disclosure, I'm going to be betting Sergey. I was looking to bet Sergey Spivak, and I'm going to be. I finished my tape on this, <clears throat> and I'll tell you the details there in a second. But that being said, it's called gambling for a reason. Greg Hardy could um, knock out, and all this analysis is about to give us all for not, uh, and that's fine. I'm willing to take that chance here um, because I, I would still be, you know, uh, up on betting uh, against Greg Hardy. Um, because now he's actually getting into that competition where we've been able to fade him, right? Because if you look at it, outside of his contender series setup fights, you get Alan Crowder where he was DQ'd, you know, a guy that, you know, um, he should have disposed of. Uh, Dmitry Smolyakov, the biggest quitter, like him and what do you call, who's that wrestler guy who always explodes after the first round? Oh, uh, uh, Juan, Adams? Juan Adams? No, he doesn't have a wrestler. No, 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 no. no. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a wrestler guy. Um Freaking, uh, what's his name? Uh, giant Paul Felder, Maxine Grisham fought him, and uh, a bunch of other guys have. Oh, Tim uh, No, no, no. no. Uh, oh, of Antigulo. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like Smolyakov and him, and oh, maybe even yeah. like uh, Shamsatov, who, who you that's know, so who come up under your Mikhail Oksajic yes. tape study. Shamsatov. Yes. All those guys, they're like in a rush, except with Smolyakov. He, he's like he's like Antigulov, where he can't get out of there fast enough. So he mm. just clearly takes a check. Uh, Juan Adams, you know, bad fighter, I bad position. about that fight. <laughs> still can't even, yeah, still can't even, still can't even get him out of there. Uh, ben Sassoli, who granted got, did get knocked out by Rodrigo Lima, one of my other favorite guys to fade. I know it cost me the last time, but I'm still way up on betting him and I'm going to fade mm. his ass again uh, for a nice price. Uh, couldn't get Ben Sassoli out of there, even with an inhaler. Volkov, <laughs> this is one of those fights. You guys heard me talk about this. Should've every once in jail. a while, every once in a while, there's an anomaly fight that I think that even analysts especially as analysts um who overthink things like me have to just fucking erase from my memory guys because all they do especially from a betting perspective all they do is fuck you up and cost money because mm. there are certain fights and alexander volkov letting greg hardy go the distance with him is one of them on short notice mind you in russia yeah. um it's one of those fights that'll make you lose money because how many of us went well he went the distance with volkov right and how much credit did that cost you from losing money or arguing your takes and, and we could go here forever. There's uh, there's plenty that I can't think of of different fighters where they have that anomaly on their record where you're like, fucking forget about that fight. That was a you know that was a stupid fight. Just, that doesn't make sense. Don't even yeah. try. You know 100%. when you go break this fighter down, just it'll only disservice you if you try to fast yeah. that fight in. hundred percent. I think Volkov's one of those. And he beats DeCastro. We see you know DeCastro's out here being the minus four fifty in Eagle FC, I guess. But I mean, aside from that, <laughs> it's Yagen. Uh, Maurice Green. Yagen. Even that fight. Even that fight. He, he like he looks gassed out. Um, after having a good first round, uh, and then he, uh, you can see like, literally, like I remember watching it live, and I had the same thought watching it just now, guys. I'm like, if Greg Hardy doesn't beat him in this next minute or do something in the next minute, he's gonna lose his fight and gas out. And sure yes. enough, with like 10 seconds to go before the first minute and the second round expires, he rocks Maurice Green, and he's able to get him out of there. No problem with the stoppage, but again, he didn't, he didn't dead him. He didn't mm. dead, and Maurice Green is not a, a, a very good chin guy. The crochet same boss. With, yeah, same with Tabora. <laughs> Tabora, now Tabora, he comes out, he looks like a world beater. He's countering. He's looking mm-hmm. really technical, hard he is, and I'm like, holy shit. 
I hate my Tabora bet. Fuck, I fell into a trap here, right? But here's why it's extra incriminating. He has a great round. There's no reason for him not to be confident. He sits on that stool. Go back and watch it. For, even before the second round starts, before he has a chance to lose his momentum, he sits on the stool like a lost fighter, mentally weak, yeah. just like I suspected. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, so I laid a chalk on him against Tui Vasa because, again, I was one of those who was like, hey, Tui Vasa is getting too much hype. And I was, I, I would argue that I was right, even though I lost some close decisions like to Arlovsky, where I picked him uh, at, you know, at UFC 225 or 228 or whatever it was back in the day. Yeah. But I, I would still argue the analysis on Tui Vasa was right. And then he went on that big losing streak that cost, you know, people were like, oh, why did I even like this guy? Meanwhile, I actually started getting high on Tui Vasa again. So anyways, I, I'm, I'm rambling on here. The point is Greg Hardy's a fucking fraud. Uh, I'm going to take uh, <laughs> Sergey Spivak, who's been training since he was it. seven years old. And he's well-rounded. Uh, really good jab, good grappling, can shoot can sh- uh, in the open. He has really good catch-kick takedowns, which is going to come in handy because Greg Hardy likes to throw leg kicks. Greg he Hardy spending, spending, this, spending this camp once again w- cutting weight uh, from 295 because <laughs> he didn't learn his lesson. And this is a rebooking, by the way, folks, because Greg Hardy broke his finger in the beginning of the year. And right. what does he mainly use? His hands. And w- so what has he been doing? Well, you know what I'm saying? Now you're going to give Sergey Spivak extra time. The only Probably fight Spivak lost. The only the only fight Spivak lost, guys. You mentioned that Walt Harris fight and the uh, Tom Aspinall, Aspinall baby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those are like super athletes. And I know Greg Hardy's a super athlete, but those are athletes who can fight. And I know Walt Harris isn't a great fighter, but he's a, he's he's got the fighter mentality. Unlike Hardy, I've not seen that yet. And those two fights, by the way, Spivak took on short notice, very short notice. Both of them. One of them, his UFC debut on short notice. So you're giving him time to prepare. He's at Extreme Couture. Uh, you know, I guess if you want to say oh, wow. that bias, he is working with Eric Nixick for what that's worth. Dude, I got I Spivak. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I'm looking to parlay Spivak. Uh, I was either going to look to parlay him with Jacoby. I'm midway through that tape study. I'm not liking it. I still might pick Jacoby, but I'm, I'm probably going to stay away from that fight. I know a lot of people are in Alexajic. Uh, so maybe I parlay him with RDA or I play RDA straight up. That's what I'm juggling right now, guys. But either way, I'm hitting those props on RDA. And the props I'm going to target here is inside the distance, plus 120, uh, Sergey Spivak. And I'm also going to target by submission. I was thinking about doing the under for coverage, but if you look at Sergey's style, how he cooks guys and Greg Hardy, like mm. it's going to be one of those things where he gets them down before the, uh, before the under uh, expires, but he doesn't get the finish until just after. There's a lot of that in his history and Hardy's uh-huh. history. Mm. I don't want to sweat that. I'm confident enough on fading Hardy, and I'll eat it if, I'll eat it if I'm wrong. Damn, I like that plus 120 inside the distance for Spivak. And the more that we sit here and break it down, ultimately, Greg Hardy's not that one-punch knockout guy. He's not the one, you know, to really do that on a consistent basis. And and Spivak, like you said, I mean, I was just, you know, going to his Instagram real quick here, double-checking. Yep, you're right. Still at Extreme Couture. Also, the other thing, he finally shaved his head. I mean, yeah, that, that, yeah. that shows some acceptance of self and, and dedication. And I, I'll tell you, I mean, dude looks good now. I mean, he looks scary. That dude. hairline was real sketchy, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, someone who's, you know, getting the Great Recession underway here, you know, I can relate. Not entirely, Sergey, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Probably man, at some point, it's just, you just got to cut the cord. And like, honestly, I, it's it's good to see that. And, and yeah. uh, you know, ultimately, you got that training and you know, Three takedowns a minute, essentially, 57% in the heavyweight division. It might not come early, but it's going to come. And you know what? That's Sergey inside the distance plus 120. I like that prop a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, hey, I mean, uh, 
that that finishes up the main card main here. Card. If you guys haven't already liked and subscribed to the channel, make sure you do that at the PYN podcast as well. Make sure you're following that. Make sure you're following at Dan Tom at Guru Scout and MMA at TB Scout and MMA. But now I think just in case there was any other look ahead plays you had, Dan, I, I know you were you were most prepared for the main card here and you wanted to drop a few tidbits of knowledge before you, you had to make your way out. Was it what else are you looking at on this card? Uh, basically, to kick you guys off on the next one, I'm looking at uh, Ted Danson's bastard son, Jamie Malarkey, baby. <laughs> uh, again, this this wow. bias could it, it could be my bias from cashing on him against Devontae Smith. Um, that was a nice that was a nice play. If I don't say so myself, Malarkey's a guy who you look at him; he's really easy to underrate. Uh, but uh, I, I, I like him against Tr- Turner here. Um, I like Turner too. That's the thing. So I, 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 it's not a for sure yet. I'm still going to tape study, find out for sure by following my plays uh, at Dan Tom MMA, the Protecting Neck Podcast. Uh, but basically, as much as I like Turner, and I feel like there's way more substance to him than a Johnny Walker per se, I do feel like he has that ultimate um, kind of a weak spot in the armor, so to speak, right? Like a Walker. There could be a real mm-hmm. chin issue there. If you look at Turner, he's been knocked out bad um, mm-hmm. throughout his career, whereas Malarkey, it's usually power hitters. It's usually look at the circumstances that it came under, uh, the guys uh, that, that it came to, or the, the weight when it was down at 145, mainly is when he has been knocked out. Now he's at a healthy weight class, whereas Turner, well, you know, those six, three guys at 155, sometimes their time mm. is limited and they're open for both injury and knockouts a little more. Um, so I'm looking at Malarkey. And this is another one where it's tough. Um, the, the price is going where I want with Kennedy Nanchuku versus Nikolai Negomarianu. But the thing is, is Nikolai Negomarianu is a guy I want to fade um, because he's not very good. And yeah. he, he was rewarded for fighting bad last time because he fought a bad guy and it's MMA. And you guys know me. I hate bad matchmaking rewarded. I hate seeing bad bets rewarded, which I don't want to be a hater because a lot of people, <laughs> I, I make bad bets too. And a lot of people that follow me make bad bets, but I'm just saying I hate bad approaches in general, no matter what walk of life being rewarded. And N- Nikolai N- Nigamariano is uh, what uh, the guys, in the MMA analysis like to call a fade plant. So my question is mm. I'm going to study it between my tape study and the price will determine if I want to take a shot to fade him, or I just wait to fade him. Hope, hope that he wins here because if he wins, against a guy like Kennedy, um, which isn't, you know, no offense to Kennedy. It's not going to mean all the most in the world. I think no. you get a real good pl- price on a guy Ooh. from Eastern Europe with wrestling credentials, even though he's from a weak kind of wrestling scene in Romania, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Looking to fade the shit out of this guy sometime. That's all I got for you guys. And uh, I appreciate yeah. uh, you guys having me. Right, Seriously. Thanks, thanks so, so much. Thanks it. so much, Dan. Seriously. You're, you're the man. And I, it's so funny. I want to respond to both counterpoints of the fights, but I guess you can have to tune into the, the show to hear I, I will, cause you guys are you guys are on my feed, man. I I, I try to whittle down what I, I what I listen to, and I try to keep my filters clean. But uh, my dessert, man, you got my my dessert list is where the uh, MMA breakdown podcast, if at all, that's where you'll find them. And you guys are on that list for what it's worth. I really like you guys. Really appreciate you having me. You're an awesome guy, Dan. Seriously, thank you so much. You're well, very well said. You're you're literally like I said on the the beginning of the podcast. You are absolutely on my dessert list. You are the dessert list. So that's uh, it's very very exciting. <laughs> um tv anything to add bud no man hey it's uh it's incredible having one of the biggest inspirations for our show on and and just uh making us feel like hey we're family and uh man uh i know we'll keep on listening to each other and be having our twitter interactions too so uh you take care man so great to have you on absolutely good luck everybody out there and uh to keep the food analogy going hopefully we can all eat in some shape or form this saturday so let's uh, go yep that's right all right i'll uh, I'll see you guys Next Take time we have day. you on, we'll have you for the full one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, guys, keep in touch. Thanks Take for care, having me. Enjoy. Good luck, all.
All awesome. Right, so. What a stand what a stand up guy. Seriously, giving us an hour yeah. of his time. He's so busy. So, yeah, and so and much. please, you gotta make sure you follow at Dan Tom MMA at the PYM podcast. I mean, if you guys aren't catching his analysis later in the week after the chronic combat conversations, you're doing yourself a disservice because that's what we're listening to before we we're like we're like quasi professionals like we're getting our stripes there we're like yellow belts out here i mean dan's a legit professional at at this stuff guys like he's really good (laughs) and and a black belt at being a great guy so let's say uh let's get down to to the jalen turner here we got the jalen turner versus jamie malarkey man you want to talk about bias we cashed on both of these guys as underdogs in their last time out we did we did i I wanted to time here yeah it's like now, now you see Jalen Turner minus one sixty eight and Jamie Malarkey at plus one thirty six. I mean, Jalen Turner's got all the reach, the height, everything, but you know Malarkey's going to make it dirty. He's not going down right away. That dude's got a chin on him. He's got that. He's just got that come forward style, and and you know he's picked up some feints and and, and movement from working with the Volkanovski camp for some of Volkanovski's title fights. Right. Malarkey has really come a long way, and you look at his. Takedown numbers, I mean, three and a half takedowns at 32%. That's pretty high volume. And, and maybe he didn't do it so much on the regional scene, but he's shown it time and time again in these UFC matchups. And that, you know, if things get a little sketchy on the feet here, he's not he's not afraid to start getting down and dirty and, ma- and making this fight tough. So, I mean, you, I got to lean the underdog in this fight, especially on a couple of guys I like. I think that Malarkey just has the better staying power. So I, where do you sit on this one? I, honestly, I was all over with this fight. I, I couldn't really decide. Again, cashed on both guys. Really, really tough. Like both guys. Very likable. Interesting. You know, you kind of look back at Malarkey's tape and, you know, you kind of want to poo-poo him a little bit for the Riddell fight, which again was a 50K, you know, loss. But I mean, how can you poo-poo him? And then you you want to, you try to hate him for the Faraziem loss. But again, did he really lose that fight or was it shit judging? Mm. And then you look at, again, you look at somebody like uh, uh, Jalen Turner, super exciting so far. He has the tough loss. They give him the Vicente Luque in his fucking debut. Like, how mean I mean, is that? that is, like, that's a setup right there. <laughs> I mean, they, and again, they cor- and like, poor kid, poor kid, they just crack his chin again. So, yeah, the chin is possibly an issue. Um, one of the things I found very interesting throughout the tape, um, but again, I wanted to bring up to our guy Dan was, um, I, I, I do, I like, I like Jalen Turner early, but the, cause, you know, Jamie Malarkey ha- does have a propensity to be hit a little too much. And, you know, kind of the way he hunches his back and the way he strikes and stuff, it's a little, it's a little odd. Um, but we look at um, our lovely stats that I just love pulling up all the time. Cause if you're not watching this live, you don't get to see it. Um, the takedowns per minute uh, per, for 15 minutes, 3.5 for Jamie Malarkey. That's a high level um, of, of takedowns. And you see somebody like Jalen Turner, right? Like we haven't seen him do too much grappling. Okay. He stuffed some takedowns from Brock Weaver. Like, all right, dude, good job. Um, but you know, when somebody like Jamie Malarkey, who's going to push you test at every angle and as you've seen in the brad riddell fight the ferozium fight he's got gas tank so you're gonna wear on jalen turner somebody that relies on their explosiveness that in their last three fights has three finishes you know in the you know first and second round there um jamie malarkey's not just gonna fade away super quick i don't think so you start wearing wearing on jalen turner with the grappling and all of a sudden he gets tired he might look like a completely different fighter without his without his uh, 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 power punches. So for mm. that reason, 
I kind of lean towards the dog here in Jamie Malarkey. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like the fight maybe should be closer to pick him than it is, but I guess maybe the physical advantages of three inches of height and three inches of reach for Jalen Turner, maybe drive it the other way. Um, definitely want to see the thickness and, and things like that at weigh-ins, but Jamie Malarkey is one of those guys that like always looks like Skeletor at weigh-ins. He's like, has like he's got no mm. eyebrows and kind of like a weird jawline and, and cheekbones to begin with. Like, not trying to make fun of the guy. Whatever. And he's not, listen, he's a, he's a tough SOB. Would love to get a beer with him, but I think we'd both admit that he's not winning any beauty contest. So, mm. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, it's an interesting fight. And I will probably put my money on his ugly dog ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I yeah, I, I, he's not I, ugly. No, no, nah, nah, listen, man. It's, I just see uh, the one thing that does give me a little concern as far as the takedown and all that. I mean, Malarkey's only got like a minute of control per takedown, so he's not the best at controlling his opponent when he gets there. And I think Turner is going to be physically stronger, especially earlier in the fight. But I don't expect Turner to get an early finish. So that's where I really do like this one to play out and and Malarkey to either get a late finish or win win a clear two-round decision, even if he gives up the first. So this might even be a live betting opportunity, too, if you're sitting down cracking a drink getting your smoke on and you're like oh shit turner just won the first round and now malarkey's a plus 300 or some crazy shit because it got a little sketchy like that that is like all right i'm gonna be looking for that opportunity too if possible so you know those lab bets you know keep your eyes open guys i mean that that's there's certainly opportunities to be had definitely definitely yeah i, I mean I, uh, do, do, do you like the fight to go the distance kind of i mean because i kind of like no the fight i don't not to go the distance it could be one of those ones where it's like it seems like everyone's kind of heavy on the fight not to go the distance this week. So uh, on, on on this one, so it could be one of those fade the narrative type of ideas. But I'd rather just play the money line here because I, th- I think that there's plenty plenty of uh, of value in that. So well. is he is he our dog of the day? Shit, I mean, it certainly feels like it. Damn, is that <laughs> is he? Oh my god, did we did he just sneak up on us? Did it's the dog of the day? Oh, but oh, but is he though? I don't uh, think he probably is. I mean he probably he probably, is. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back here. We got a lot yeah, of fights because we'll, we, we'll we get back deep with Dan. We went deep with Dan Tom. Yeah, so I really so appreciate all Dan's that, time. Yeah, man, that incredible. But here we go. Next fight. We got Mahino Rodriguez versus Yan Nan. This one. If we don't see a kickboxing fight, I'm gonna be shocked because one, even if even if Jan tries to make this not a kickboxing fight, that's I don't know how much success she's gonna have overall. She's got seven minutes of control in her career, but that's all against Carolina Kovalkiewicz and and a little bit against Angie Hill, and it's like that's not the same type of like size and defensive level as Mahina Rodriguez. So not at all. I mean, the only thing that's sketching me out about this fight is that while I favor. You know, the fighter that's had two main event spots prior to this, the fighter that's faced the much higher level of competition overall, and the fighter that might have gotten 10 aided one round by Carla Esparza, but then comes around and wins the next two rounds. Whereas Yan Nan, the second she gets put on her ass by Carla Esparza, there's no getting up. There's no shrimping. There's no movement. In fact, if anyone's able to land some control time in anything, Marina Rodriguez might be able to, to bully her around a little in the clinch, land those knees with those long limbs, get those elbows working. And Guess who might, you know, end up falling into like a little trip or something, you know, uh, a little accidental. Because, listen, Jonan, I just don't see her having any path to getting back up. But anyways, this fight, it's going to be a kickboxing fight. Why Rodriguez is at minus 280. 
I'm not sure, but I mean, she's definitely who my pick for this fight is. I, I'm just I'm sketched off of making her a a parlay piece, just given. You know, I did see her get, you know, that that leg was getting chewed up a little bit by uh, by Watterson, you know, uh, Mackenzie Dern. We knew she didn't have takedown offense. I was heavy on Rodriguez there. Um, and, and, you know, just Sorry. being able to control distance. I just think that Jonan, her strike. I was heavy on the heavies in that fight. Jonan's got the volume. So if Rodriguez is looking to like play off the back foot and counter here, it could get sketchy if this thing goes the distance. That's where I'm like. Why would I play a minus 280 when you look at the defensive numbers for Janan and, and her offensive output? I mean, she's not too far off of Marina. It's just it, it, I don't I, I can't take Jan as a side in this fight, given the experience on Marina's side and the skills. Not at so, all. I, I mean, you can't what, what do you, think, you can't. You can't. Um, it's unfortunate that you can't. Um, you see maybe a couple striking stats in, in Janan's favor, right? The strikes landed per minute and the defense and the distance landed per minute but you know the 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 level of competition is a serious problem um <laughs> this level of competition is a is a very serious problem you know you look at um her fights you know it, she hasn't fought the highest level of competition like marina rodriguez i feel has um i've I kind of just feel like she's a bit of a paper tiger gal Jean-An was, and that's why we were so happy to make, and I, I, we bet like heavy, on, at least heavy for us at the time on Carla Esparza, right. and we really should have bet so much heavier. That was the fucking easiest fight. Carla Esparza dog money on that fight. It was ridiculous. Um, I wish we could relive that bet every single day of my life. Um, it's just, uh, like I, like we said, Yao Jean-An would, would be uh, uh it would, be, it would do wonders for her if she could use some wrestling and use mm. some clinching and get this shit to the ground. But it is just not in the cards. That's just not what she does. She's a striker. You can see it at her six landed strikes per minute. So this is going to be a kickboxing fight. Marina Rodriguez is, is the better kickboxer. She's the bigger kickboxer. I'm going to take her here. Um, you can get her. I don't think she's going to finish Yao Xiaonan because Xiaonan really hadn't been finished before, right? Until uh, until that last fight with Carlos Sparza, and she only got finished because it was like again a domination on the ground where she had no idea what was happening. So you can get Marina Rodriguez at FanDuel right now by decision at plus one hundred five. Um, I do like that. Um, you can also get uh, Marina Rodriguez if you're feeling sketchy for some reason. Round three or decision at minus one thirty, but. I think it's a I think it's a smoke break decision fight that uh, Marina Rodriguez wins, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in smoke break decision fight, but because this is literally the number three and number four contender in the what the, I hate the <laughs> I yeah no I see I see this being division. an exciting an exciting distance striking battle. I mean not not like Jen Jacek, not Jen Jacek versus Wei Li level. Right, right, I don't right, think right, that right. they're as high pace and high output as that. Or have as good of chins as that, but, but I do strikers, think, you're right. I, I do think that we're going to see a fun fight from distance at least. I think and, and honestly, I'm that. excited to see uh, to see Marina work her way back to a title. I just don't. I don't think Jan is. A, it was, and honestly, it was fucked up of me to say because I was honestly going to say more of how this fight is. It's disrespectful to this. Like this fight should absolutely be on the main. Be on card. the main card. So, yeah. So it's like so fucking gross of me at one tongue in cheek to make fun of it, and then the other thing to say, oh, it should be on the main card too. Like I'm like a the hipster, fuck, but I'm also fuck, a hater. Bro. Like, the yeah, fuck, the, bro. Fuck, bro. the fuck, bro. So yeah, so, I mean, at least I nah, can, I, mean, I can own that shit. You want to shit on a fight? 
let's get to this next one. This is the smoke break fight, okay, Guru? Yeah. It's 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 the one that Dan Tom because Nikolai Negomarianu, maybe going by Nick now, you know, depending on where you're looking, but Kennedy Zuchuku. We're talking about a couple of guys that are it's just sloppy. And Zuchuku is oh. gonna turtle up. Negomarianu, he's gonna come forward. He's going to throw some dumb shit. He's going to hold on to the fence. He's going to hit you in the back of the head. He's going to cheat every way possible unless he gets... Cheat a Mariano. Yeah, and, and listen, Zuchuku, is he... And Zuchuku? I think it's a silent N. It's all over the place based on the pronunciations I hear all over, but I'm pretty sure silent N, Zuchuku, oh, wow. Fortis, he's got a huge height reach advantage. I mean, I just I, I don't want to play this fight, Guru. I'm I'm sorry. I really I really <laughs> don't right. have anything for you guys. All right, so that, all right, so maybe I I have a little bit because I did want to respond to Dan Tom specifically. Okay. Um, so one of the things that Nick Negamariano does is he loves to walk forward, throw caution to the wind, and um, one of the things that he I think understands about himself, you'd have to at least hope, is that he has shitty striking defense. Like, he's very hittable. Um, he throws kicks. He doesn't protect his head. It's, it's a problem. Um, the thing is, is that his aggression, though, opens up offensive opportunities, right? So if you're mm. throwing all these strikes and people are defending, if you have your eyes open, you have now opened up opportunities to go hurt somebody um you look at the alexa camera fight uh that's a split decision grimy ass fight i think he won it but it's just alexa's camera sucks and then i villain away you kind of expected ike to test him a little bit more with ike's power but Ike didn't show up to that fight gets hurt bad early and goes down it was all to um, the back of the head including yeah, the not, initial he, clinch shot that dropped him to the back so? of the head. all of it oh oh I thought I thought the listen. So okay. So for what I saw, I thought the one the shot that dropped him was kind of like it's like above the ear, like definitely side back of the head. But like I consider that kind of temple, like this area. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like and then he keeps on ground and pounding like way past when the the ground and pound ones were dirty. It was like the ground and pound ones. All of it, all of it. It's like dude, like and then you see him in the fight with camera, legitimately. How many times did he get warned? Like 10 times about holding the fence by Beltron? Yeah, and like the cute. last super stern warning came with like 20 seconds. I was like, what the fuck is going on so, here? So, right. But so more to this fight, though, is that the way Kennedy and Zechiku fights is you mentioned the way he turtles up. He has a high guard, which could be positive, but you it's not because he turtles he turtles up. So he fires and then when he expects something back, he like I can't see the fucking computer. Like he doesn't <laughs> see the fights that are coming the fights. He doesn't see the strikes that are coming towards him. And that's a problem. Mm. And you see it in the Daung Jung fight, his last fight, he blocks the standing elbow that Daung Jung hits him with. It doesn't matter because it's a fucking elbow. So if it hits partially or whatever, it hits on your, he goes down and that's a big problem. So um, the other thing with Nzechiku is that he is a, um, a, he's a slow starter. And he also, while he has wonderful combinations when he lets his hands go, he doesn't let his hands go one strike at a time, one strike at a time, one strike at a time. So, Nick Negramarianu is going to push and strike Kennedy a lot, right? Which is going to force Kennedy back, right? So it's he, he, so he's either going to be turtling up and get knocked out 
because he's turtling and not striking. Or Nikolai Negamariano is going to do so much aggression that he's going to do he's going to over uh, exert himself and put himself in a bad spot and Inzetchuk is going to clobber him. So the the bet is the fight doesn't go the distance. However, the fucking sloppy mofos like this could go the distance just because they could set a they could set a pace or whatever. Mm. So this is a uh like you said it's a smoke break fight it's a, it's probably a stay away I would be su- I would be surprised if Dan Tom comes away and wants to place the bet on this fight um it's it's probably a no touching no touching no, touch. you like- no touching maybe you want to maybe you 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 have a violence parlay you like you know this fight not to go the distance parlayed with other fights not- well you know this what is, this fight not to go- if you touch this fight well it's actually interestingly and well Interestingly enough, though, they have the the fight under one and a half at plus money. Fight doesn't one fight. and a half though. Yeah, nah, well, man, fuck that. I'm so I'm other? sorry. I'm not touching this one, bro. I, I know, you I know. We're supposed it. to we're supposed to have plays and shit for. This is not Kissy. one that I'm looking touch to it. do. Right? Kissy. <laughs> Apologize. Can we can we get onto a better one here? Oh wait, but the all right under two and a half minus one fifty. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, whatever. I'm sad. I don't. I'm not even touching Grandma's couch for that one. I'll be honest with you, Guru. Screw you guys. I, I'm going home. <laughs> I mean, that I, that's just one of those ones that I, I'm. That's like a live and learn fight. I, I, I'll just uh... <laughs> talk about the grudge matches of all grudge matches. Fuck the main event. This is it. The crackhead versus the OnlyFans. Marina Moroz versus Maria Agapova. Agapova. How, Agapova. What? Agapova. Yeah. This is. I, um, I love both. I love. I love both of these ladies. Let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, right the, I must have a thing uh, for Eastern European chicks or something. But like, oh my god, this is classic guru, everybody. Uh, anywho, as <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, Marina Moroz. I mean, she's. I would say she's definitely got the technical the edge here. I think Marina Moroz has definitely has the technical edge here, and she probably is slightly more well-rounded technically. I think Agapova's just got her outmatched the tornado, in the physicality bro. and and yeah, the energy. Uh, it seemed like Agapova was able to kind of get her like, you know, uh, her cardio under control uh, as far as her last fight went. She had a decently high output on the back foot on her bike the entire time, and she ends up, you know, not not looking so bad you know into round three as she she lands the killer combination and just i mean just absolutely it, it probably could have been a knockout uh just off the initial drop but yeah i mean shit dude agapova she's showing the head kick combination she snaps off those kicks are probably her best technical aspect of, of what she does is that she does it without a real read or tell and, and she gets it up quickly so uh marina morose she's gonna have to close the Close the distance, clinch up, make this dirty, use her boxing because staying at kickboxing range is not going to work out for her in this fight. As you saw in the Danielle Taylor fight, it's a long time ago, but she will have the tendency to, I mean, her overall accuracy is, you know, 31%. You pull out that one, it's a little higher, you know, maybe closer to 40, but that's still not ideal when when your opponents are, are landing at a, at a 53% rate. Uh, it's just, 
she's not efficient enough when she fights from distance. When she gets into the clinch, I, I like it a little more when she she starts trying to work into those takedowns. But she's only four of twenty two in her career overall. It's not like how are we going to predict her to go out there and, and and have a wrestle heavy Tracy Cortez or yeah even Shanna Dobson level of, of takedown offense. Yeah, because that that's that's what it's going to take to make a gap of a gas out is extended grappling exchanges. I'm a guru. What do you see in this fight? I'm a little blinded. Um, no, listen, this is, this is a really exciting fight. I'm super, super excited. It's one of those fights that like, I'm very, very probably for that the third time excited for, but not one that I want a heavy amount of exposure on because, uh, the ladies, you know, they're just not super, not the highest level. Don't fight the most often. Marina Morose has, I think more fights canceled than like on her UFC career. If not like just about even with that. Um, she, you know, she has literally four fights canceled in a row. We haven't seen her since March, literally last year. No, two years ago. It's been two years now, two full years since we've seen Marina Morose. Mm. So that's a fucking problem in all senses of it. Ring rust, or maybe she's made insane, incredible improvements that we'd have no idea about, you know, training an American top team. She could look like a whole new fighter. She won't, but, um, it's very interesting and then the personal stuff um you wonder if they're just gonna smash each other you wonder if the line is a little because like i almost kind of think maybe the fight doesn't go the distance but you look at the finishing percentage for morose and it's really the finish isn't really going to come on that side right he buys submission and he gets at least not at the ufc level yeah right so that's i mean she has a couple of submissions in the ufc no uh just the one over calderwood just the one just the one in her debut over Calderwood. Exactly. So that's not and, – and Calderwood has shown a propensity to get subbed in the first round. Um, yeah. So realistically, if you're playing the fight, you probably just should just bet Maria uh, uh, Maria Akaba, Akapova with Grandma's couch cushions just by finish at plus 190. Um, it's interesting because Moroz is only ever lost by decision. And I, I do think she has the ability to, to kind of. I think she's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, she's got the the persistence. And two, she will at least, you know, go to spend. I mean, she's got over Akiba 16 minutes of control time. And plus 170. I think there's going to be some clinch exchanges. And, and I think Agapova, you know, while she's going to land solidly, I don't think that Moreau's just walks forward like Hannah Cyphers or, or Sabina Mazo. I think she does at least have some more uh, defensive I, I capabilities. Think, I just think there's so much physical. Again, maybe it's just the narrative. I just wonder if there's too much physicality going to happen. There's going to be too much scrappiness, and somebody's just going to get caught in a quick submission or mm-hmm. or or get clipped. You know, and you're going to see the line run away, like you see it right now on on FanDuel. The fight to go the di- will the fight go the distance minus one fifty yes plus one sixteen no but then mm-hmm. on DraftKings it's minus one thirty five yes and plus a hundred no and if I was a gambling man I would bet you that if you wanted to bet um, fight doesn't go the distance Friday Saturday it would be uh, even money I bet it will not be plus money would be my would be my hunch so again could yeah. that just be narrative does that mean we wait for that and then jump the other way or are, are they right? So that's again, but that's that's what I'm leaning towards is that I don't think that Agapova is the most technical. Like when she throws her hooks and stuff, it's a little looping. When she lands her straights, like it's solid. But I just don't. Um, it, it's all accumulative normally for her. She is still young and 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 relatively inexperienced and learning and getting into this game. And while she has a very similar record to Marose, 
Rose has a crazy uh, master of sports boxing, Ukrainian national boxing team, master of sports and kickboxing. She transitioned to MMA all the way back in 2013, just as far as yeah. a combat sport experience and, and being in there and, and, and being a survivor too. I mean, also, do also so can I ask you that just in terms of a moneyland standpoint, is Marina Moreau's possibly being overlooked with all that combat? I, I feel like that, in? and and a little bit of you know, I I really don't want to play Agapova at minus one eighty. If the line closes a little bit, I, I might have some interest, but this isn't this isn't a fight that I'm going to have a big play on. And and really, I, I want to see those weigh-ins and see has you know. I mean, Morose, it certainly seems like she's in great shape, but what does she look like next to Agapova, who, who from memory shredded, is so gigantic, shred city. but, but Morose is supposed to have a one-inch height advantage on paper. So what if yeah. she? What if it looks even more so than, like, what if we're underestimating the size that Morose could be bringing what to thick, the table? So th this is something. definitely way independent, but I am going to take the Agapova side. Yeah, it's fair. Get low, low exposure by it. Yeah, this next one... Um, dirty, dirty fight. Poor Brian. Boom, yeah, boom, my, but my our boy. So this one's our happened boy, at one forty-five, right? Uh, didn't Kelher say that this one was going to be up a weight class? Uh no, it's bantamweight, I believe. Uh, going to double check that. Um, just to make sure here as we get into it, but I mean, Umar Nurmagomedov, I mean, the way he disposed of uh, yeah, it's a featherweight. Yeah, they're fighting up at 145. Oh, my bad. Yep, I was on uh, no, stupid you, topology. I didn't check um, Umar, Umar is uh, definitely of the striking, uh, you know, kind of kind of end of things as far as the Namarga Meta family goes here. But don't discount his grappling for a second. I mean, his scrambles, his his, his submissions. I, he's got one knockout in his career. He damn nearly knocked out Sergey Morozov as well. But I mean, he put him to sleep with that rear naked choke. I mean, put him to sleep. That's something yeah. that you remember, especially against a guy that talented. And Nurmagomedov, the undefeated record, 25 years old. He has a three-inch reach advantage, two-inch height advantage, and he's getting a fight up here at 145. Maybe what that means is that Kelleher is not going to get knocked out. But you see Kelleher has got six submission losses. He's not beyond getting some. Yeah, no, but it's but that's the thing though. Even though Umar's the striker, he only has one win by KO. He has yeah. six by submission. So that's the play. It's you gotta play Umar by sub. Um, I mean, what so if we go look at uh what some of these props are, because right now the line is minus six seventy-five Umar and plus four seventy five. Umar by Gallagher. submission is plus one seven five on DraftKings, and it's um which is insane, and it's Plus two ten on FanDuel. What? Yeah, I mean that's how is it? I mean Umar by decision. Uh, I can definitely see that happening with Kelleher having the extra weight and and you know avoiding knockouts. But I mean he's a little willing to get no, in these grappling exchanges. If that, he goes to jump Gilly on a takedown, dude, it's, it's over. Dude, it's even more than that. I think because if we're gonna say that Umar Nurmagomedov is the striking Nurmagomedov and he's a good striker. Did we not just watch Brian? I know Kevin Kroon was a lot bigger than Brian and it was short notice, but like we Brian gets hit all the time. He gets hit way too much. Mm. So Umar's gonna tag him, hurt him bad, rock him, and then he's actually he's not gonna go for the ground and pound like many people may think he might. He's actually gonna get the sub because that's what he likes to do. Yeah. Uh so you take a minus six seventy five and you turn it into a plus two ten something that he's done half of the half of his fights in his career. 
Yeah, Umar Bar sub, man. I mean, that's that's where I'm looking. That's uh or or honestly, like, like like the way you I don't were, know how greasy um, it is, but for listen, Brian's a tough guy. Like, I mean, I don't know if you if you have a I know Brian's tough. I don't know if anybody has any feelings, but Umar Namagomedov round one or two is plus one sixty five, and then round three decision is minus one thirty. So I don't know if you had any inklings about how long the fight would last, but mm, probably just best I, to take him by finish. Yeah. Yeah, I think ultimately that's that's where I lean. And that sub, you know, you know, I love me a good submission place. So. A little greasy sub prop that I found for you. Hell yeah. Hell talk, yeah. Keep talking to me because talk that shit. Now we got another another type more. of veteran appearance here versus another uh another one of our American Kickboxing Academy cousins. <laughs> but Tajiru Lembekov just has a way of putting himself in some of the worst positions possible when the fight gets down on the mat. He does it on purpose. It's great. I mean, Bruno Silva puts him in multiple submission attempts. Tajiro Lumbeka uh, gets put in multiple submission attempts as he's fighting, uh, what was it, um, uh, Alan Nascimento? Yes. And he loses a majority decision uh, on the regional scene to Jalga Jumagulov, which, you know, on further review, you know, you could probably give it to Tajiro, but it's just... I mean, that still sits on his record, and that just sits in your mind. We're like, Tajir, he has all the talent. He has all the size. He's got, you know, he might be the same height as Tim Elliott in this fight, but he's got the four-inch reach advantage. You know, he's five years younger. You want to say You don't want to make those grappling mistakes against Tim Elliott. No, but you see him end up in so many damn submission attempts uh, against against almost every single opponent, and – and you look at Tim Elliott's stats, and I mean that dude. Ever since his move to Glory in these last few years, you could really see the difference in body definition, strength, and overall confidence. I mean, uh, it, it's it's just interesting to see a guy like Tim Elliott at plus one ninety four here. If you're looking for a value play, don't look at Brian Kelleher. Look at Tim Elliott. Minus yeah, 245 on Becca, plus 194 Elliot. But do you think no, Elliot wins? Yeah. So that's see, that's what I'm saying. The problem is that the, the further you dig into him, it's like the dude has one finish win in the UFC, not counting the ultimate fighter. And that was against Mark De La Rosa, who we all know is not UFC material. Like otherwise, he's he's got two decision wins against, you know, Jordan Espinosa and Ryan Benoit recently, which he probably didn't necessarily. I mean, I wasn't sure if he won that fight versus Benoit. Um, he's got a decision win versus Luis Smoka, um, which was, you know, upon his return after getting unceremoniously uh, losing after winning the tough title. He lost to Demetrius Johnson. You know, it, it's it's he's it's been a long road for Tim Elliott. He looks like he's in great shape. He looks like he's happy with Gina Mazzani. He looks like he's happy at Glory MMA. I'm really happy for him. I really, really love Tim Elliott. Somebody I'd love again to grab a beer with or just I get a picture with. He's fucking he's a legend, man. He's an awesome, awesome guy. I just um I'm not sure that he's gonna sub Tajir Ulumbekov. And like I kind of hinted at with Jorge Game Mazdal earlier. It's like some of these guys, like they just are, they just are a little too prone to losing. They're a little too comfortable with losing. And Tim Elliott is one of those guys. And and yes, could he pull off a decision win here after a great fight against Matthias Nikolaou? He won that first round. Yeah, he definitely could. Tajir Lumbekov is not worth the chalk. He's very sketchy. Um, like you said, he puts himself in way too many um, uncomfortable 
unnecessary positions and and Tim Elliott's fucking scrappy. He hasn't fought somebody as unorthodox and scrappy as Tim Elliott. So at the end of the day, the, the play, the, the fight is really more of a stay away from me. I probably end up circling Ulan Bekov, but wait, wait till weigh-ins, especially at this very lightweight class. And um, if I end up playing on Tim Elliott, it's uh, it's Grandma's couch coach. He's on the money line because I, I honestly fight. think that the goes the distance is probably nope. that. Well, yes, no, fight to be won by split or majority decision plus four fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say the there fight's definitely go. going the distance. Split or majority decision plus four fifty. Fight to go the distance minus one thirty five. Those are my two oh, looks. Yeah. That's actually uh, really good because it's minus one fifty on uh, Fanduel. So yeah, so I, listen, I do think that this fight is just going to end up being one of those roll around reversal submission attempt city. But Ulimbekov for all the bad positions he puts himself in. Elliot hit, gets hit too much. He gasses. Yeah. He like again, like you saw it in. He had a fantastic first round versus Nikolau. He couldn't continue it, and then and then it's like it's um I forget who else is like that. It's escaping me at the moment, but it's like um you're you're super confusing and difficult to figure out for that first round, and that's great. Then what happens? Then in the, by the second round they figured it. They figured you out, so it's not as confusing anymore, and then you're just getting tagged and. Uh, yeah, that that'll have that can very much happen to Tim Elliott. So it's it's makes it very difficult to make him dog of the day or or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think ultimately another play that I might be interested coming up here on the next fight. Uh, we got Devante Smith versus Ludovic Klein. Uh, in the in the bust in the bust in, blah, 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 in the busted prospects fight. For real, yeah. Like the both of these guys are coming off of of fights where they were minus two, minus three, minus four hundred favorites, and didn't pan out, and then come back and then don't pan out again. Let alone so, Devonte Smith in the minus one thousand favorite spot against Cam Worthy, one of the biggest right. upsets in UFC history. Right, and then beats uh, Justin James, who's really uh, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> awesome and, guy, but you know whatever. Yeah. Really not UFC level. No, I, but. With Dong and, and, then, Ma, and then a tough fight versus Jamie Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, listen, Devontae Smith, he's going to come out. I mean, it's that Klein factory X shit, bro. Klein looked about as bad as you could look against Nate Landwehr. I thought Nate Landwehr, at his age and how he looked, I thought he was, like, done up. And he came out there and put the pressure on him and, and hurt him. And his chin held up. You got to give credit then, to Nate and in that Klein fight. just welter. Klein, Klein wiltered, wilt, wilted, whatever it was, like with two minutes left mm-hmm. in that first round, and then that was it. You want to talk about wilting, though. I mean, Devontae Smith, if he doesn't get a first-round finish here, we've at least seen Klein go to decisions as both a win and a loss. And that loss coming in the UFC, which means, I, I mean, we saw – him even get to the round three versus Landwehr shooting for takedowns, however lazily and sloppily it may have been. You know, Devontae Smith, we're probably not seeing a third round if that type of stuff is happening, regardless. I mean, Devontae right. Smith, 10 knockouts, one submission, two knockout losses in his career. He's never been to the scorecards, so I don't favor him if this fight gets out of the first round. Ludovic Klein, I've at least seen him show some defensive sensibilities. Uh, I know that the the distance defense doesn't necessarily carry out statistically compared to Devontae Smith in that regard. But, I mean, he is landing at the exact same clip his opponent is. Now, when you face guys like Mike Trezano and and uh, and then you get Nate Landwehr getting all up in your grill and outlanding you, yeah, I mean, that's going to 
uh, it's going to shake your stats up a little bit. But I think Klein hasn't – he's back training at Spartacus. He's not uh, in Florida at Sanford this time, switching up his camp. Um, I think he's back in, like, the home setting where he feels comfortable. Devontae Smith, I don't I, – I don't see Klein getting knocked out early here. So I just see – and I have seen him use his offensive wrestling in the past to secure rounds – I, I could see him grinding this thing out as the fight goes. And if not landing, you know, the knockout blow uh, earlier on yeah. before it even gets there, I, I just think Klein, uh, I, I just don't trust Smith, I, I guess is what it comes down to. And I, I don't think trust, that I, Klein, I don't know how you can trust Klein. Like, you well, can't yeah, trust well, either of these guys. It, yeah, I don't, I'm not saying I'm throwing like a, that's right, why it's right. not like a better the day, but plus 140 on Klein, a guy that you could have gotten at minus 300 against Nate Landwehr, but right, it's right, against right. someone that, you can't trust past the first round. Like, give me the plus one forty on that. Yeah, that's true. And you you have to. That's wonder a small play. The, you have to wonder about the the gas tank as well. Um, I was wondering if um, you know, there could be a, a, just a violent play at the fight doesn't go the distance. Yeah, I I could ultimately see Klein. Um, you know, uh, you know, Daz backing me up here. Klein plus one fifty is enough. Uh. Wherever you're well, grabbing that no, line I, I, at, for sure. Well, because because well, my thought is um, and by the way, just just as, as a thought, um, the fight doesn't go the distance on the Greg Hardy fight on Fanduel's minus three hundred, and on DraftKings it's minus two twenty five. But that was my thought is like maybe parlaying it to something like that. They're both minus two twenty five. So um, mm. that fight not to go the distance, and this fight not to go the distance. So you can get that at plus one hundred eight if you parlay them together right now on DraftKings. Huh. So I mean, you know. I don't know. I think both fights probably don't go the distance. Klein by sub is plus eleven hundred. If you're trying to get freaky, that could be a greasy one. Whoa, Whoa. he's got. Well, he's got uh, in his career. I mean, if if you want to, you know, talk about why that that might be interesting, he's got eight knockouts and eight submission wins. We've seen him use yeah. his wrestling. You know, but if you, Smith, he could hurt Smith. Smith. Only, Smith has only lost by KO. But I guess to your point, if you can hurt him, drop him, and then club or or if he's gassed out and exhausted and you're working from that that takedown top control i mean he took down trezano at the end of the first and second rounds so you've seen klein use his wrestling at different points in the fight two takedowns for 15 44 not the biggest sample size given that he's only landed four out of nine but that's that's enough to show me that he's attempting three takedowns per fight there's there's a ton of bets on this fight i think to be had and this is maybe one of those spots where we really want low exposure because these guys are like i said busted prospects fight lower level mma amen so i'll definitely go with the dog there but i'm not saying that's like a bet of the day type of deal by any stretch of the imagination yeah because i still want to see face-offs and stuff because i mean again like i think with the grappling exchanges you can see smith gas out and possibly get finished or just you know generally lose the fight but mm-hmm. again not not something you could see klein get get hurt get pressured and give up like and get finished like he yeah. did in his last fight so not a fight i want heavy exposure on um last but not least um, a fight that opened up at a line that i'm like so much better you could have gotten dustin jacoby at like minus 120 minus 130 he's oh. now sitting at minus 200 fuck because i mean my Michael Chuck. There's a reason why the lines move like that. It's like similar to the Holland situation. It's like one, stylistically, it makes sense. And two, just the as side. far as like the, the size in general, like where their careers like are going, one guy up, one guy down. You know, it's like, and Dustin Jacoby's the kickboxer, whereas Oleg Zaychuk is a blitzing boxer. And 
I trust the guy with the more varied game plan. Also, you go 100%. and look at like, you know, the takedowns. That's not going to happen in this fight. Now they're guys nope. going for takedowns. So nope. that, what does that do? Jacoby, he has the, the, the bigger cage this time. And he's facing a guy that's going to blitz forward. He could go off the back foot. He could chop down the lead leg. He can he can do a lot of different things. And I, I just think I, Jacoby is going to win this fight. And, and even at, at the line where it is now, I mean, minus yeah. uh, what did we say? Minus two ten. I mean, it's, it's and it's something that you love to and it's something I love to see, right? You, oh, oh, there's a lot of red on the Dustin Jacoby striking side in our stat thing. Yeah, but look, strikes landed per minute. Green for Jacoby. Strikes landed at distance per minute. Green for Jacoby. Where is this going to stay take place at a distance? It's not just going to like hang out in the clinch the whole time. Like Jacoby's strong. Like you're you're not just like ask Kudalaba how how tough it was for him to just hold him there the whole time, bro. And let's be real. If uh, oh Michael Jacek's got got the power, he's got the knockout power, five knockdowns. Okay, again, go ask like Kudalaba how tough it was to knock out Dustin Jacoby. You know, four ounce gloves. Can it happen? Would I? Can I be eating crow for sure? Level MMA. But really, do like Dustin Jacoby. Um, I like his kickboxing. I like his ability to use his size and keep the range. Um, I think that Michael J. Chuck is somebody that blitzes forward and is just going to rely on one shot power. Um, I like what Daz says in terms of decision. I actually just like, in general, one of our favorite bets. We haven't really heard too much of it tonight. Uh oh, this is um, the one. This was the one. Dustin and I and Dan Tom was deciding whether he was going to be on this fight or not at all. Um, Dustin Jacoby and over the over one and a half plus one thirty. Chef's give kids, it to me. Love it. Give it to me. That's a play. Bet MMA. You can guarantee that one's going to be up there. Yeah, plus one thirty. Sure. Let's go for sure. For sure. Um, I expect Jacoby to, to to do well. Listen, again, could he get knocked out? Of course, it's MMA fight, but that's it. Like, he, Ola J. Chuck is not outpacing him. You know, I just don't see it that way. I really don't. Um, yeah. This is this is one of those fights that's going to – it's kind of – I think it was the one that we said – I said it last week, right? I literally said it last week after – and, again, I, ca- I cashed a live – not live. Right before it went live, I cashed minus one – Minus one thirty-five or minus one fifty on that opening fight to go the distance, uh, Victor Alta Morena and mm. Carlos Hernandez, and it did. This fight, opening fight, you know how I like to call it. If it's a, uh, if it's if they're trying to get some fireworks, this isn't the firework fight. I think it goes the distance. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our card here. Really hope you guys were able to jump on in the early parts catch dan tom and his amazing analysis and incredible uh, that was just a great time i mean just to give you a quick rundown of what our favorite plays were we haven't done this much on the live shows but i figured why not uh we got the colby covington and jorge masvidal to start round four and we got that parlayed with kevin holland before the line movement uh so it might not be the best play now but overall if you were following our bet mma page which is something you should go and do right now you would have seen that Dropped what was that Monday? We we dropped that play. Yeah. So um that's that's the benefit of following our bet MMA, following the show. You can see all of our breakdowns. If you follow us on Twitter, Verdict, Tapology, Instagram, you're gonna see all these posts everywhere about what we're going with. So, you know, beyond that part lay, the fight starts around four. Kevin Holland. We like Bryce Mitchell. Uh we also had our dog of the day type of play, Jamie Malarkey. Um, ended up kind of feeling that Spivak inside the distance, but I definitely like that fight to just end inside the distance. 
And then finally, our, our uh, last couple plays that, that we felt really good about, the Dustin Jacoby and over one and a half. Uh, and you might see uh, Umer Nurmagomedov by sub. So Yeah, you might see a little sprinkle on that. Grandma's couch cushions are looking a little light, but uh, I'm, I'm going to dig. But uh, I'm gonna dig Guru, deep. <laughs> uh, you know, now, now that we gave everyone a little taste of our best plays here, uh, yeah. how would you take us away? Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, a big, big, huge thank you to one of our major inspirations, an all-around awesome guy. I mean, we really couldn't have complimented him enough today, though. Um, but he deserves them all. Mr. Dan Tom at Dan Tom MMA. Uh, Protect Your Neck podcast. If you like listening to fights and you can't get enough of, of, of talking fights, uh, I don't know how you're not listening to that podcast. Um, you got to hear, go find my guy, man, co-host, TB Scouting MMA on uh, Verdict, Instagram, Tapology, and Twitter. You can find me, Guru Scouting MMA, Twitter, Verdict, Instagram, and Tapology. We post all the time. TB posted like a, what was he? He was like fucking fifth in the world on verdict. Like, th- was was it not last uh, event or two events ago? It was two no, events last ago, right? event. I was last no, event. Last event. I was seventh in the world on uh, on tapology. Seven. Uh, and I was like, I, I was like three. I was like three hundredth or something. So like, I still like three hundredths out of three thousand. Like, I'm I'm happy with that personally. But like, I mean, seventh. I've never placed seventh. That's fucking yeah. Weird. And and if it wasn't for Gian Kim, but. <laughs> which is ridiculous um but guys we are like right in the midst right in th- in the throes of this this stretch this streak of of ufc cards so next week tiago maheta santos versus magomed ankalaev fo- at the moment a 14 fight card banger like just just stacked so we got lots of work to do can't wait for this pay-per-view. Oh my goodness. The first pay-per-view since um Masvidal Diaz that will be um a, a a again a pay-per-view without it with that's not a title fight. That's why they started talking about the BMF belt again. Yeah, like, exactly literally. But bro, I remember how excited we were for that first one though. Because we were like casual. Exactly. And, like, and rock, now now it's like ah, like yeah. you seriously. I, mean, I think everybody was generally excited because there was that much hype around Jorge. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's kind of sick of his shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can say the same about Kobe, but hey, guys, for sure. Ho- hope you're watching this weekend and uh, following all of our plays here. Let's all cash out together, baby. And, and yeah, last time Daddy, we saw- Daddy's going to be watching oh, his two sons. That shirt fight, is okay? sick. Wearing the Kamara shirt to- that Daddy's always watching. Yeah, Daddy's um, watching his two sons fight it out because uh, let's be real about who uh, who owns the division. You but- know, and last time Kobe fought, you know, we were there live. That fight was fucking amazing. Um, Hell yeah! So seriously, also, oh, and. We just booked our tickets um, to CFFC 107 in Atlantic City. Um, if you're if you're in the area, if you're a fan of MMA, like, you really should be attending the show. And uh, if you're there, come say what up. So uh, we'll be plugging it. Front row, on. baby. Front row. So I'm literally gonna be trying to talk to John Morgan. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Take, Take care, care, everybody. <laughs>